The fourth and final golf major of 2019 is here, and the First Cut podcast is set to break down the Open Championship all week long. Kyle Porter, Mark Immelman, and me, Chip Patterson, will have post-round analysis after round two on Friday and following the final round on Sunday. Be sure to subscribe to the First Cut podcast for coverage from Royal Portrush all week long. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports, keeping our big 12 win totals rolling uh, here with the second episode. If you are a Big 12 fan or if you're a college football fan looking uh, to get that in-depth preview action that this award-winning preseason series brings you every single year, uh, you can go get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Kansas. That is in part one of the Big 12 win totals. Uh, today, Barton, our, our task is to break down the Lone Star State. We're going to do Texas, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, and then also West Virginia, um yeah do you uh you want to just jump right in i guess yeah man let's 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 get it rolling as much as i think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play like i can't even Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are gonna win this fall? i can't fathom who wins How many kids are gonna win this fall? i just can't i don't see it it's not it's not on there it's not, not the schedule i'm looking at unless there's another schedule somewhere Let's power through it. All right, Texas, nine and a half after the breakthrough 10-win season, nine regular season wins, of course, for the Texas Longhorns. The, the, to me, the conversation for Texas has to start with what you think is going to happen in that much-anticipated LSU game. There may or may not be a little cover three representation or something special coming up. So if you are... Uh, if you're a Texas fan, then maybe keep your ears peeled for that here on the Cover 3 podcast. But with LSU coming to town, I mean, it's just a massive game. And when you're looking at the Longhorns with their schedule, other than that, beyond the LSU game, like things are like kind of favorable at Iowa State, at Baylor. Back-to-back weeks in November is a little bit dicey. You've got to go on the road to play TCU. And, of course, the Oklahoma game, Red River in Dallas in the middle of October. So, you know, the this total, even though we're talking about a legitimate Big 12 title contender, this total suggests that it is not a college football playoff contender, the total being at 9.5. So how are you breaking this one down? Well, I'm curious. I'm I'm I am curious where you stand on this. Under. I, I've I've got a lot of 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 thoughts here. Where, are you over or under on this? Under, confident okay. under. You're you're confidently under. You said. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's a brutal schedule. I think it's one of the tougher schedules and draws that you're going to see in the Big Twelve. I think that uh, I think LSU is a loss. I think that. At having to go at TCU, at Iowa State, at Baylor, and have the Oklahoma game in here, a very, very good Texas team that is good enough to maybe even win the Big Twelve could end up going eight and four. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm actually with you. I just didn't because th- th- there's just a lot of 
like Texas is going to be a team that's got some. They get a lot of. Ju- they'll get a lot of juice. A lot of pop. A lot of juice. Lot, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Everybody's itching for them to be back. Now they're back, and everyone wants to take them to be like, you know, super back. Just be be content with back. <laughs> you know, back's yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 nine and three is back. <laughs> right. We don't. We, we don't, super we don't back. Have, you can't be super back yet. Yeah, we're not ready for like. They're not. They're not super back. Is not on the on the schedule this year, and I mean they do. They return three starters on defense. They they replace. Uh, three or four. I mean, because Malcolm Roach, they they replace a lot. They've got on the on the defensive front, they lost a, a a lot. They've got a really fast, really athletic secondary. K. Den Stearns, but he can't do it all. Yep. And, I mean, they're I mean, they're they're secondary. That part of the reason why in the last pod I picked Texas over Oklahoma is. I mean, what happened last year is is basically Caden Stearns picked off Kyler Murray and sort of the you know his they'd never seen that before. It was like the new this this new concept that we can you know these guys are athletic. Um, th- I think they can do something similar this year, but whatever. That's a way down the line. Line M- more generally speaking, I think this is a really athletic team with a really good quarterback that's going to be really easy to pick because of the flash and pop of Colin Johnson and Sam Ellinger and Caden Stearns. And, but the reality is, how much confidence do we really have in their offensive line? How much confidence do we really have in their defensive line? This is a team that couldn't run the football last year. This is a, t- I mean, this is a team that basically relied on their 230-pound quarterback to get them any tough yardage they could find. Uh, I don't expect Sam Ellinger is incredibly durable. I don't expect him to get hurt, but what if he does? What I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna upset somebody. I mean, they're gonna win a really big game. I, I I'm picking them to beat Oklahoma, but maybe they beat LSU. Maybe they, you know, maybe they beat whoever else emerges as the other really big time team in the conference. But I also think that this is a team that's so capable of of losing to Baylor at Baylor. In, on November 23rd. I mean, they're they're so capable of losing at TCU. Um, I mean, this, and you're right. I mean, this is, they're going to Baylor, to Iowa State, to TCU, Oklahoma neutral site. I mean, that that's a tough stretch. LSU at home. So I just think, I just think we're asking too much of them to go 10 and 2. If you're taking the, two. if you're taking the over, you think that 10 and 2 is in the cards and I don't. Agreed. Yeah. It's, um, it's fascinating to think like as, as we continue to talk our way through the big 12, I'm almost at a point where I feel like Texas could beat Oklahoma, but then not play in the big 12 title game. I'm yeah, I could, I could see that as well, man, the, the mantras and the posters and the catchphrases you're going to have to come up to make that one. So, and, and I mean, there's there's a lot to like. I mean, so I mean, for one, Tom Herman is building this Alabama type coaching staff where Larry Fedora is an analyst and Andre Coleman, who's K State's D coordinator, is an analyst, and 
Houston's old DB's coach is an analyst. And I mean, they're, they're, he's building this army. He is recruiting really well. So they're going to be talented enough against whoever they play. And Sam Ellinger isn't, he's not, I don't think, I mean, who knows, but I don't think he's going to be a candidate to be the first pick in the NFL draft. But I think if you're drafting a college football draft this year, every team is blank slate. We're just going to Radio City Hall in New York City and and we're, we're just picking our college football rosters. And you have first pick. I think it's a very defensible pick to pick Sam Ellinger first pick in college football because of what he brings, the the athleticism, the the attitude, the moxie. Like he is a guy that can elevate your team and win you a game or two that you aren't supposed to win. So there is a path. I just think it's more likely they go under. Seven minutes and fifty eight seconds. Barton on Ellinger. Okay, cool. I just wanted to clip that because that was an awesome endorsement of an iconic <laughs> Texas quarterback. I'm, I, I mean, I'm tripling down on my iconic <laughs> call from freshman year. I got to, you know, you got to keep when 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 you hit it early, you got to keep riding it. Hopefully, he keeps on being iconic. First pick over Trevor Lawrence. But I mean, think about Trevor. Yeah, I'm not saying I would pick him. I'm just right, saying right, you're very saying defensible, defensible. Because, and 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 can, to be clear, Trevor Lawrence is a better NFL prospect. But if I'm trying to win a game, yeah, today, and I need a quarterback to just just do the dirty work, to doesn't matter what your roster is, it doesn't matter what the blocking is, it doesn't matter who your receivers are. Figure out a way, man. Get out there and figure out a way to win this down. Figure out a way to win this game. I mean, Sam Ellinger may be your best option. I might he's take, a two hundred thirty pounds. I would take Joe. Bur- I would take Joe Burrow before I take Sam Ellinger, and that probably goes back to why I'm taking LSU over Texas. I, I would not take Joe Burrow over Sam Ellinger, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't take LSU over Texas. Fair. Um, all right, count them up. Up next, let's see TCU. Seven and a half wins. Uh, kind of a spicy, little bit of a spicy non-con game on the schedule at Purdue September 14th. Really, really interesting because um, that forces us to consider what Purdue might be and what that matchup might look like. Uh, the Horn Frogs, seven and six a year ago. There's There is an instinct for me to come back hard uh, after watching the Horn Frogs hold their season together with duct tape and yeah. feel like we're going to have a bounce back. And without just, like, like I am over, that is my pick, but I want to dive into it and I want to dissect it because as we look at the schedule and as we look at the personnel, what 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 do we have to back that up? Because again, just the consistency of Gary Patterson, uh, you know, even being able to have the success that they had despite the injuries that like unprecedented types of injuries for the Horn Frogs. So so what is the the juice and the meat to back up my instinct and my gut that this should be an overpick at seven and a half? Well, 
I, I think, first of all, I'm also with you on the over. Not only am I with you, but this is this will be on my on my my list, my big list of lock candidates. I I I think that this is. I mean, you 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 said it. I mean, they the the what they had to go through last year. I mean, they weren't even they were still walking wounded by the spring. I mean, they were they didn't even have they had like twelve starters that that couldn't play in the spring. Um. But I think that like they're going to be healthier. They're going to be they're going to not only they're going to be healthier, but they're going to be. I mean, they're going to have guys like Ross Blacklock, who was a key piece of their defense last year, was injured before the season even started, and and now he's back a defensive tackle. Shamik Blackshear, they get a, a grad transfer from South Carolina. Uh, I mean, now he's probably a starter. They've you know they get. These guys who have been thrown into the fire, who who are going to be much more seasoned. Um, it's just a suddenly you got this roster that's that's been through the fire and survived it and got it on the other side. And I think they're really talented. I think offensively, I mean, think about it just from from an offensive standpoint. If they just don't turn the ball over last year, they've got a chance to have a pretty good season. But they couldn't take care of the football. And that's even before Sean Robinson got hurt. I mean, he couldn't take care of the football. If they take care of the football against Ohio State, they may uh, win. I was going to say, TCU was right there in the third quarter against Ohio State. That should tell us everything we need to know about what TCU could have been. And and so they've got this bizarre quarterback situation where they got they will, they will go from having no one to now they have six guys. Now – Six sounds like a bigger number than it probably is because Justin Rogers, who was their former borderline five-star guy who had a devastating injury out of high school, is still – he's still – Gary Patterson's calling him 90%. I'm saying that means maybe 75. I mean, he's got nerve damage that he's still trying to get get that feeling back in his leg. So I'm not confident he's going to be the guy. Matthew Baldwin, he is, is the transfer from Ohio State. He hadn't had his waiver approved yet, so he may not even be eligible. Uh, the Mike Collins kid we saw last year, he's not that good. And then there's uh, the the true freshman who I think is really good. His name's Max Dugan, but he's a true freshman. So then that get, that gets us to Alex Delton, who's the Kansas State transfer. And the one thing that Alex Delton does, and the, why I think he's going to be the quarterback, is he does take care of the football. And he can run the, the quarterback run stuff. And so if Alex Delton can just take care of the ball, which is all he's ever been asked to do at Kansas State, he's been bred to just take care of the football. Then suddenly you've got Jalen Rager, who's maybe the, as talented as any receiver there is in college football. Yes. And you got Shewa Olanalua and Darius Anderson, who I swear for a couple guys that combined for barely over 1,000 yards – is one of my favorite one-two punches at running back as there is in the country. And you got an offensive line that returns five starters. Four, I think they return four or five starters. Uh, All seniors? Hold on. Uh, no. Three seniors on the starting uh, returning offensive line. I mean, that sounds off to me that they return five starters, but whatever. They've got some experience coming back. Um, so I just think you, you sort of – 
look at the whole thing and the idea that their win totals at seven and a half and people are, you know, Gary Patterson is going to find some additional motivation out of this thing. And I, I feel like, I mean, this could be, I would not shock me at all if they're sitting in the Big 12 championship game. Mm. All right. So uh, I mentioned at Purdue. Do you, do you have that as a win? I've got it as a win. You know, Purdue, I haven't looked at Purdue's schedule yet, but I keep on running across Purdue and other people's schedule. Man, they, they, they get out there and play some teams this year. So who, uh, but who, <laughs> who scheduled those though? Because they were they were obviously booked before Brom. Yeah, Purdue's playing. I'm just looking, just as an aside, Vanderbilt, TCU, and uh, so maybe it's just. I guess maybe I was thinking Missouri. I don't know. I guess I just. I guess maybe it's not as weird as I thought. Anyways. Purdue aside, uh, I think they I think they win that game. Um, I think that they, I think they beat SMU. I think they beat Kansas. I got them losing at Ames. I got them winning in Manhattan. I got them winning at home against Texas, that, which I think is not a stretch at all. It's not a stretch, but it's a huge game for the over under win total because. I'm going at Oklahoma is a loss. I'm going at Iowa State is a loss. And then now we're starting to split up the toss-up games, one of them being Texas. But see, like I also have them losing at Oklahoma State. So I, I try to throw a couple upsets in on both sides. Like I try to make this – I try to – you know, this is I'm, – I'm, I'm playing a lottery here. I don't expect to get this necessary. You know, th- I'm not picking which games they'll be favored in. So – I, I got them nine and three. You're not doing an exacta, I guess. I mean, you might you might know the Kentucky horse racing terms better than I, but it sounds like it's we're not going exactus. We're boxing it. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, you're a, you lost me. I don't. <laughs> I haven't when I when I went to the Kentucky Derby, I was in the infields, not the. Uh, yeah, we we were focused more on arm wrestling and uh, <laughs> shotgun and beers, but I. So I'll trust you on that, but I my point is, I think they win a couple, lose a couple. Like they, t- there's about four or five games that I think could go either way, but I think they've got nine wins on that schedule that I feel confident in, one way or the other. Coming up on the other side, what we can get from Matt Wells at Texas Tech, uh, Matt Rule getting things going at Baylor after winning seven games, and Neil Brown, a coach that we have both been spoken very highly of. Well, what is he going to do in year one at West Virginia? All that next. Count them up. Hey guys, this is Brian Campbell, and along with Luke Thomas, we are the hosts of Morning Combat, your one-stop shop for all things combat sports. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll hit you up with a brand new episode looking at the biggest headlines in boxing, mixed martial arts, and so much more. That's not to mention bonus content every Tuesday and Thursday, featuring interviews with the biggest names, dissected fight breakdowns, and even a little ridiculousness from time to time. We surely take the fight game seriously, but never ourselves, so why not Give us a try for all your combat needs before and after the big fights. It's Morning Combat. Download and subscribe today wherever you consume fine audio. There's nothing on earth quite like this. Oh, what a goal! The 
believe the Champions League is back at its new home on CBS All Access. Sensational! Stream every match of the world's most prestigious tournament live. That's incredible! The UEFA Champions League group stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it. All right, next up, we are going to those Baylor Bears. Uh, Matt Rule goes from one win in year one, seven wins in year two. Uh, we've got a non-conference schedule that's pretty manageable with Stephen F. Austin, uh, UTSA at Rice. The not the road schedule in conference play, also like not terrible. At TCU is tough, and at Oklahoma State is tough, but then the rest of it at Kansas State, at Kansas, and then Five home games in conference play, including Oklahoma and Texas in the month of November. So there's a couple ways to look at Baylor's schedule. Either they enter November, uh, their bye week, by the way, is that uh, they're going to play on, let's see, they're off on the 26th. They've got Thursday night against West Virginia. You're going to either have a point where they're going to enter November with a ton of hype and a ton of excitement and then face TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas. Or... It's going to be a situation where they've taken a couple of losses. Maybe they fall to Iowa State at Oklahoma State. And you know what? Maybe even one more. And then all of a sudden face a very daunting November just to be able to make it to the postseason. Their over-under is set at six and a half. So this is a group that the odds makers, at least with the line, expect should be able to get to the postseason. So as you're starting to add it up, what are you thinking right now uh, for the Bears? Well, I, I got to, to me, like there's a very clear, you know, chart that we're looking at, uh, a progression that I believe in with Baylor. They were 111, then they went 6-6 six and six regular season, 7-6 and six on the season. And I think the next progression in that is 8-4. and four. I just think it's it's just sort of, what's the, what's the win total here? What's the number? Six and a half. Yeah, give me that over. I'm all over that over. I mean, eight and four is the next progression. And then, I mean, I, I think that's why this is why the Big 12 is fun right now, truly. Because it's not like Mike Gundy's going anywhere. And, you know, we, we, we know what we believe in, in or I, I've, I know I believe in Matt Campbell. Obviously, Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley are some of the best of the business. But I think Matt Rule is right there. And I think this program is, is, it's really close, and Charlie Brewer is a legit quarterback. I, I mean, th- defensively, they've got really talented players. Blake Lynch, <coughs> excuse me, um, at, at, at this guy that was previously a wide receiver is now coming in at this, like, their kind of hybrid linebacker safety position is 6'3", 220, who's just a stud. Um, Denzel Mims is one of the more athletic wide receivers you're going to find. I, I just think they're going to be the right mix of well-coached, well-developed, but also but also innovative. Um, and they return a bunch. And so I just see, you know, when I look at, I got their losses as Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Oklahoma. And that hasn't beaten Texas. Yeah, it has them. And other than that, I mean, they're not conferences. Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, Rice. They're in conference home games are Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas. They can win on the road at Kansas. 
You know, they can win on the road at Kansas State probably. I mean, this is just a real manageable slate to me for a team that it to me is is very close to taking the next step. Well, I I think it can be a step and for the over under win total based on what we have in the non-con, we've got an opportunity where Baylor can be even on the downside of the thick. Uh, I think that the thick really is the the way that I imagine the middle of the Big 12 because it's a nine-game conference schedule. It's a round-robin conference schedule. Everybody plays everybody. And we just end up with about half the conference, if not like five teams, really, five teams are probably either going to be five and four or four and five. Baylor can be on the underbelly of the thick with a four and five conference schedule, you know, just under 500. But with that three and oh non con, still be able to hit this over at seven and five. And that kind of confidence is what has me going over the six and a half. Not necessarily that I imagine a giant leap. I think that they've got a lot of experience back. I think that, like you mentioned, Charlie Brewer, he's got good wide receivers. Um, he's He's got an offense that we should expect the Bears to be competitive in that sense. But, you know, even picking them on the downside of a couple of toss-up games against similar middle-of-the-pack Big 12 teams, again, four and five conference record is good enough to get us to the over. That is not asking a lot Yeah, when you come to me and I have the Bears about a year ahead, two years ahead of some of these other teams, and certainly ahead of the pecking order of the basement. And I'll say this too about Baylor and just the way they they identify talent. It's all about size and speed. They like they do not compromise on athleticism, and it's an approach where they might take a guy that is doesn't have the same highlight film of the guy that's going to Texas, but he's, he's every bit as long, he's every bit as, as athletic. And they do that because they have a lot of confidence in their ability to develop those guys. And, and I think to that point, I don't think you have to look at their roster and see a bunch of guys that have, you, you have Big 12, all Big 12 honors next to their name because I guess I guess maybe you do. I, I don't because I think and I have confidence that this that the guys that are there are really fast, they're really athletic, and they're getting really well coached. And so when their time comes, they're gonna be good. And so that's that's just a sort of part of why I'm bullish. Uh, generally speaking, if you give me a manageable number, and I think six and a half is a really manageable number. Count them up. Texas Tech here in year one under Matt Wells also has an over-under of six and a half. So, Barton, as we're starting to look at the Red Raiders, uh, we know what we've got in Alan Bowman. We know what we've got in TJ Vasher. We've got a team that is not necessarily going to be uh, all in terms of like, they're not going to be all in the midst of flux stylistically. Certainly we are moving from Cliff Kingsbury to Matt Wells, but even looking back at Matt Wells at Utah State, it's not like there should be any major drastic changes here. Defensively, the personnel certainly has uh, ha- has performance upgrades that could be there. So what is your sense, I, g- I guess to start the conversation, what is your sense 
if if it matters at all of of whether this team is going to be different on the defensive side of the ball after going five and seven in its final year under Kingsbury. Well, I think David Gibbs, the D coordinator under Kingsbury, should deserve some credit for getting them competent. I mean, even if you look at last year's schedule, I mean, they had – I'm just looking at the schedule right now. I mean, they yeah, they had some big some big numbers uh, early in the year. Uh, Houston put up 49 and Ole Miss put up 47. But, you know, they hold Oklahoma State to 17. Uh, they beat TCU 17-14. Um, you know, they – I mean, they had some they had some flashes of competence defensively, um, and I think that this current staff. I mean, I, I kind of like what's their their D coordinator's name. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. He, Keith Patterson. He came from Arizona State and then Utah State, and I just sort of like what I've seen out of him. Uh, but so I think they'll be able to play defense eventually. I think that there's a couple things that sort of come to mind with this team that that jump out at me. One is there. My my hunch is that Cliff Kingsbury is well liked. Agreed. Sure. Would you have that hunch also? Yes. So. So many of these teams. I mean, it's easy to. I mean, we're talking about a guy who did a WWF thing at fall camp. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Of of course, the hunch is that he's well liked. So it's it's easy to buy in, and and also Texas Tech was in a lot of ways like really close, and and certainly was really effective already on offense, and so I think it's really easy to buy in when, like I always, uh, I think it's really interesting hearing Coach James Franklin talk about his time at Vanderbilt. And how easy it was to get buy-in from his first class because they never won, and so what are they? What, what are they? What are they clinging on to? You know the the old three-win seasons. I mean, they're they're eager to embrace this new coach, and so with Texas Tech, I'm curious if they will be eager to embrace Matt Will Matt Wells, not because he's not a good coach or he can't demand it, but just I think they'll be a little reluctant maybe to buy in, and so I think that that could could sting a little bit. Um, I think, you know, I do have confidence that the staff can kind of marry up the tempo with the defense. They seem to do it well at Utah State. But but here's the other thing that sort of caught my attention with Utah State, too. I just look at their schedule, and they played Michigan State. New, uh, this is just sort of a Mountain West schedule. Michigan State, New Mexico State, Air Force, BYU, Wyoming, New Mexico, um you know, I mean, th- there's a lot of teams on there that are not spread teams. The Mountain West is not a super spread conference. And so they played, like their tempo at Utah State was as fast as anybody in the country last year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're coming into a conference where you, where spread is a little bit more the norm. I just, I don't know that the they're going to have the, the, the deck stacked in their favor as much as maybe they did in the Mount West. And also, by the way, Jordan Love, the quarterback they just left, is about to be uh, emerge as a really high NFL draft pick. So all that to say, I mean, you look at this, schedule, this, this roster, and there's a lot of reason to think that Texas Tech is 
really good. I mean, Alan Bowman, we saw, you know, he did a lot of damage as a true freshman. TJ Vasher's a stud. Seth Collis, Morgan State's really good. They've got, I, I read somewhere, I can't remember where I read it, they have the most returning offensive line starts in the Big 12. So there's a lot to like, but I, I, I'm on the under here just because of all the other things. I just, I, I just suspect it might take more than one year to get it rolling with this new staff. Texas Tech for me fell on the wrong side of something that we've talked about in this win totals where someone's got to lose, especially in a round robin schedule. And there, I'm not as concerned about the buy-in per se, and I'm not really like yet. Yeah, Utah State ran at a breakneck pace, and the fact that they were able to do that probably contributed to. Matt Wells being able to get hired. He's very excited about this opportunity. But at the same time, like the 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 core of what was going on at Texas Tech does not suggest that it was how about this? <clears throat> We're gonna do the ACC after ACC football kickoff. And you and I have both already hinted, just based on our tone and our comments, that we believe the team at Louisville was more talented than its performance, right? Last year, the idea being that Scott Satterfield is going to potentially get a lot more out of that Cardinals team. Yes. I think Texas Tech might have been a five and seven team last year. You know, like I I look at Louisville and I was like, that was a better team than the record suggested. I I think Texas Tech might have been exactly what its record was. And so when you're trying to figure out how this team is going to stack up and you're going to give me six and a half, like absolutely I could see Texas Tech as it comes down to it and things are getting tough and you enter November and you got to go two and two against West Virginia and Morgantown, uh, TCU and Kansas State at home at Texas. Like if they are facing that final coming out of the bye week, those are their final four games. They got to get two of them to be bowl eligible. I have confidence that Matt Wells and this Texas Tech team can get those two wins to be bowl eligible. But I don't I don't feel like this is going to be a team that enters that stretch with bowl eligibility already locked up. And so, yeah, just not I'm just a little surprised that number is that high. Like that six and a half? Like you would almost yeah, rather feels, have I mean, it I'm at just, six. Even, probably? even six or I mean even six just feels like a, a, a safer numbered. I, I just I, I'd be surprised if there's a bunch of people going on the over there, but maybe I'm wrong. But I could. I mean, I had Oklahoma State seven and five, and I have Texas Tech at four and eight. I could very easily flip those two records and not be surprised at all. It's just I, I, that's the nature of the conference this year. I think is just there's the non-Kansas, non-Oklahoma. It's all very similar in that range. And I even think, you know, coming in, uh, you know, I noticed the the bottom four teams in the preseason polls are the, all the new coaches. Uh, you know, I don't know what to, to – I mean, that's – all those coaches, all those teams. I just think – I don't think anyone really quite knows what to expect out of them because none of those cupboards are completely bare, but – I mean, they're all, they're just now they're kind of the unknown. And we, and all these other programs, well, I shouldn't say all Kansas is pretty bare, but the other three didn't, they're not completely bare programs, completely bare cupboards, but they're, I think, getting voted at the bottom of the league because there's just a, a, a 
we sort of know what to expect out of the others. How many games are going to win this fall? West Virginia's win total set at five. Um, it, this goes right back to the point that you were there, you were just making where, like, between Texas Tech and West Virginia, like, which of those first-year coaches do you expect to have better chances for success? Yeah, I mean, Neil Brown was probably dealt the toughest hand here because they're coming off an eight and four year, but oh no, that's an eight and four year with a ten and two team. Yeah, an yeah. eight and four year with a ten and two team, and everyone gone from the and ten and two team. Yes. <laughs> Not only are they all gone, but but they're all gone, and then some. Yeah, I mean, like they, like they lost. They've lost basically their whole secondary. It seems like, or at least their whole safety group, which was pretty good. And they've lost them to, to some some kind of off the field stuff and transfers. And so, you're looking around, and I just, I don't, I, I mean, I got them under here, um, and it's it's a lot to ask of Austin Kendall. Now, granted, Austin Kendall gives him a chance. If Austin Kendall isn't there, then I'm running to the window for the under. But the fact that that's you know that that that's what we need is a is a Herculean Austin Kendall is probably not the best sign. I'm looking, and, and this is you know very very selfish and and a little bit myopic given the you know where i stand where i sit but doesn't it feel like the west virginia nc state game is probably going to be a bad football game where we're just going to be thinking about how much better it would have been with yeah. will greer on yeah. one side with david S- david sills and like you know kelvin harman and ryan finley and everybody else on the other other side west virginia and nc state nc state i still think it's going to be a pretty good team a classic barton simmons dave doran analysis of yeah seven and five uh, but like west virginia they go at missouri they've got nc state and look like i i believe west virginia will probably beat james madison especially with that being op- the opener but james and james madison did just lose its head coach to ecu but james madison's one of the best fcs programs the non-con is not doing West Virginia any favors. And then on top of that, we are imagining that West Virginia is going to be closer to Kansas than it is to an Oklahoma state. And with, with all that shaping up, uh, in addition to the personnel turnover, you give me five and I'm taking the under, but I will say that I am more push under than I am firm under where I feel like West Virginia could end up by the end of the season, uh, you know, stunning uh, Oklahoma State, right? Like maybe Oklahoma State right. comes in and they don't necessarily have their attention. The Cowboys lay duds. They lay duds. They at least lay one dud every year. But it, I do not believe this West Virginia team is a bowl team. I think five and seven and four and eight is far more likely than seeing six and six. Yeah, I got them. I got them upsetting Oklahoma State as their big. Neil Brown, uh, look, look what we're building moment. Right. It's the uh, final home game of the year. We're not yeah. making a bowl game, but we're going to take down Mike Gundy. Yeah. Yeah. No, and they, they've, you know, there, there's, there's some good players on this roster, but I just think to, to me, this is a, this is a year zero, uh, for Neil Brown. And it's, it's, it's weird because of, of what this team looked like last year. 
but I just think you gotta you, you you have to totally recalibrate. This is just not the same team, and this is this is probably the toughest hand out there in the Big Twelve because of what they were last year and and how different this team is going to look. So uh, so as we wrap up the Big Twelve, uh, you know I I don't think that I actually mentioned this while we were recording, but I do feel like I owe Phil Steele a shout out. Of course you do, man. Yeah. You were trying to get off that Phil Steele train and you know, I I had to really back in, shake shake you, bring you to your senses. It is it is a better reference than the internet. But it's not it wasn't even necessarily me feeling like I needed the reference. It was entirely me getting bitten by preseason hype. July one, Chip Patterson back from Vancouver. I'm like Man, you know what? I can do this all in my head. And then July 14th, two weeks later, I'm like, I want all of the college football in my eyeballs and brain. I'm going to go like buy sitting, it right that's now. That's like going to like the library. and uh, You're like a fourth grade teacher going to the library telling your class encyclopedias are overrated. <laughs> like, Forget encyclopedias. You, you don't need all that information. Just, just, you know, just feel it out. Oh man, this is this is my information source. I don't need the, I don't need like there's no stories in here. It's just words. It's right. just straight up depth <laughs> charts and numbers. Yeah. And and I was so excited to have it back in my hands. I did like some years I have been on the uh you know the privileged mailing list. I I don't take my you know take photos of it and put it out on Twitter, but no this this one was bought at the Harris Teeter. Just waiting in line. It called to me like the siren and I was like you're right, Phil. I do need you in my life again. Hey, welcome, welcome back to the good side, Chip. Good <laughs> it, to have you back. Yeah, is it, it? It was just really good. You know, you flip through, you got your schedules. I, I think that looking back at the previous years against the spread results are really going to help me in the locks. I'm, no doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a huge resource. All right, Friday morning. If you're not subscribed already, please do subscribe. We are going to be recording uh, best sights and sounds of media days. Most of the media days will be out uh, pretty much done. I think Big Ten still will be left to do- left to break down. But, you know, what, whether it's, you know, Clemson, Alabama, everyone else throughout the week, we're going to be attacking that on Friday morning. So make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, you can follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.